With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Brick Lane Brewing. They're doing very tasty things. Find Brick Lane in all good bottle shops. Athena will help you pay down your home loan faster. Visit athena.com.au Dwayne's World with Dwayne Russell. Keep a text coming through on the 40 Wings Temper Test. Keep them coming 0433 98 11 16. Your new temper, T-E-M-P-U-R temper. Temper's most adaptive mattress ever is here. The Temper Pro, a mattress like no other, pillows like no other. Check out the Temper range at your local 40 Wings. A lot of text coming through. One here about standing room being available at Opera Stadium in Perth on Level 1. You shouldn't have to buy a seat to get it. That's what I'm saying. Should we reconfigure Stadia to allow you to buy a standing room ticket more so than having to buy the seat and then standing? One here off the text as well. John, the standing experience is already there at the MCG. I've got four reserved gold seats in M10, but prefer to stand in the terraces behind and have a beer and sing along. Should you have to buy a seat to stand in standing room? is the issue. Dwayne, I stand all day at work, so I prefer to stand at the footy. And another one here. Hey, Dwayne, grew up on the terrace at Western Oval. Don't need seats. Don't need glass boxes. Don't need more food. Get more into the stadium. Bring back standing room. Cheaper too. That's from Bernie. Keep your text coming on that 40 Winks temper text. And your calls, by the way, we'll head back to your calls very shortly for Midday Madness. For Work Locker, Karen Downs and Packingham, work where, for wherever you work. If you want to jump on the line, we'll get you on. For Midday Madness, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 NBL CEO David Stevenson has also been good enough to join me for a chat about the NBL season, which is down to its pointy end. It's hotting up now. Top two teams are absolutely flying, but there's a few coming at them from below. David, welcome to you. Firstly, great to have you on. Thanks, Rona. It's always a pleasure to spend time with you. I appreciate it. It's, uh, it's been a pretty hot season. You've had a lot of close games, or it feels like it anyway. Uh, how have you found the season yourself? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's been incredible. You talk about the closeness. You know, the, the difference at the moment with you know, four games left for most of our teams, the difference between third and last is two games, which, which is incredible. And so it just shows that all the teams are still in, in with the chance uh, to make it through. And, you know, that's then been reflected in all that growth. Our broadcast is up 30% and attendances are up. 17%. There's, there's a great level of interest in the league and, and we appreciate all the fans' support. Yeah, and, and this is not just um, you know nouns and verbs for the sake of pumping up the comp. So Tasmania a third with 12 wins and South East Melbourne Phoenix a last with 10 wins. And I was talking about the AFL world earlier on, David, where it would be nice if 
North Melbourne could win seven games this year, even if they did win the wooden spoon. It is nice to have a comp that is that even, even though South East Melbourne and maybe Adelaide, who've done some good things in recent times, would tell us, um, you know, still, someone's still got to miss out. But at least by opening it up, you've allowed with that top six that you've got right now, the lower teams to stay in contention later in the season. Yeah, absolutely. I was at the South East Melbourne game on, on Thursday night at, uh, at Knox, you know, and they're missing four of their starting five, all three imports out, and they're playing against the two-time defending champions and Sydney Kings, and then they, they come and have a fantastic win. So that gives us confidence because if, if the fans know they can go along every week and their team may not win, but at least they're in with a, a reasonable chance of, of having good performance, then that just builds that connection even deeper. Gee, your refs are under fire. Your umpires are under fire right now. David, um, you've done your best to stop them from being under fire, but they're still coming at them, commentators and coaches alike. Yeah, they are. And look, one of the great things I love about our sport is the level of engagement that players and coaches and and even sometimes fans have with referees because they're so close to them. Um, And we love that. We want to continue that. And that dialogue happens on court and, and certainly during the week as well. Um, but but referees don't always get every call right, and they're they're humans, and and I think overall they're doing a fantastic job. But there are going to be times where where you know they're not going to get that call right, and so how we deal with those in working through uh, with all the players and coaches again, we just want to make sure we're doing it in a really healthy and respectful way. And I think the vast majority of times that's happening. Did you give Adam Ford a call after he had a crack at you? No, I didn't, but, but uh, he, he did give me a call and, and we had a, a good chat through. And, and look, you're also human enough to understand that there are emotional circumstances and the game has a lot of pressure on it for everyone involved. And, and, and sometimes, you know, there's things that we all say or decisions we make that, that maybe in hindsight we'd think a little bit differently. Um, but again, you know, in, the, in these roles, you've got to have a thick skin and you don't take anything too personally. So he called you, did he, to apologise or to explain? Yeah, yeah. I won't, won't go into details. I'll keep that between us. But, yeah, he, he did uh, give me a call the next day and, and, again, we had a good chat through. And it just it speaks to, I think, the, the quality of the person that, um, you know, he reached out and wanted to have a conversation about it. So I appreciate that. An apology or an explanation? Which was it? No, he was certainly uh, apologetic. But, um, uh, again, I, I, I speak very highly of, of him and, he, he coaches and his team plays with a great amount of passion and that's sometimes hard to, to turn off in, in certain circumstances. But, you know, I appreciated the call and we had a good chat and we've, we've absolutely moved on. You've had a, you had a bit of a dilemma as to whether to find or whether you can find across the board for all sports for sarcasm as criticism. Oh, David Stevenson's doing a great job. Um, can you be fined for sarcasm? Well, it's, it's a fine line there. I mean, it, it, again, we generally don't try and get into the, the minutiae of it. Um, again, I I'm, I'm came out with a, a protection for the referees. Um, again, love the engagement, but, but also don't want anyone in our sport abused. Um, you know, I made that position pretty clear and still stand by that very strongly. Um, but I want to keep making sure we have that engagement. So, um, look, he, he was fantastic. And, and again, full credit to all of, all of the coaches and players um, I generally think that the spirit with which they interact with the referees is top-notch. Your AFL knowledge is great as well, David. So you've got professional refs, not all of them, but a lot of them. Your advice to the AFL as to whether they should go with fully professional umpires? 
Yeah, look, I mean, every every sport makes their own decisions. I'm very respectful in, in making opinions on others, but we've seen the value in, in full-time refs. We've actually got uh, one of our referees um, that we hired out of the US who was, who was um, refereeing the, uh, the G League there. And that's been a great addition. He's been a great addition too. But we've seen value in, um, in, in two things with full-time refs. One is that they then can, mul- can referee multiple games over the course of a round. And knowing that that's a different physical um, condition that, than you need for, for AFL in multiple games. But secondarily is then the connection and the education and the, and the time with the clubs during the week. So it just means that you can build those connections during the week um, rather than only come in and do the game. And, and again, our, our clubs have appreciated when referees have gone out and, and spent time, and that helps you know educate the, the players and the clubs on, on those calls, but frankly also builds, builds better connections. And for pathway for young kids coming through, male and female, who want to be a referee by offering full-time positions, does it enhance the... Lure, I suppose, for young kids to stay in the sport as ref. Yeah, I think it does. You know, I think ultimately, um, you know, to, to referee in any any sport, you got to have a love for the game first and foremost. But but secondarily, if there's a way that those young kids can see there's a pathway to a full time job, and you know, and, and there's lots of great parts of the road about to see the country and, and potentially travel overseas and and be a part of such an exciting league. Um, we think that's a pretty powerful proposition, and hopefully, as Basketball Australia might tell you, that that connection is then helping the number of junior referees, which is always a challenge in all sports. You've joined up. You've got a partnership with the Japan Professional Basketball League that's been announced recently. What's got that going to lead to? What's the reason behind that, apart from getting more eyeballs on the NBL? Yeah, there's, there's really two parts to it, Dwayne. There's an on-court and an off-court component. On-court. Um, to be able to have potentially Japanese teams come and play in our preseason, or some of our teams go and play in Japan in the preseason, that helps. Um, there's a referee alignment there too. Again, in in shared resources and involved in in other competitions, and, and down the track the potential of, of an expansion team there. But that's you know, that's a fair way off. And then off court is exactly what you said. It's the eyeballs. There's 120 million people in Japan, many of which love basketball. The way the NBL is viewed in Japan is really high and, and the level of Australian players and coaches that are involved there uh, is pretty compelling. So it's a great way for us to grow beyond our shores and, and look at sort of early doors in, in our partnership. But we're excited about what that could grow into in the future. Do you see a Japanese team playing in the NBL? We've got New Zealand. You did have Singapore. Is expansion beyond Australia still on your agenda? Yeah, it is. I mean, the, the current FIBA regulations preclude us from having a, a team uh, in Japan or, or outside of our, our um, Australia-New Zealand region. So we can't do it at the moment. But you know, it's it's not the the central point of this agreement, but it's certainly a possibility and it's contemplated in there. And um, there'd be a lot of benefits. You know, when you think about uh, the time zone in particular and broadcast games, given the size of that market and great way to grow talent and, and grow the competition. You know, our primary focus on expansion is in the domestic market, but certainly international in places like Japan, uh, we see there's some, a, a pretty enticing opportunity. Have you spoken to FIBA about the possibility of changing to allow you to do that again? Yes, we have, yeah. And, and they've been conceptually supportive. You know, there's obviously a lot to play out. And also, you know, Basketball Australia and Matt Scriven and the team um, 
who have been great partners as we work through this. So they're not easy decisions, um, but you know we can't speak highly enough of the partnership with BA and and, and Fever have been very very supportive. So the, the conversations are continuing, but it's not an immediate need. Uh, we're not planning to bring anyone in next year from from Asia, um, but it's a it's a, a pretty cool opportunity. And you've told a few places in Australia, build it and we will come. Uh, anyone building it, so you'll come. They're building it in Canberra. They're not building one in Geelong. I haven't seen the expansion of the arena just yet. Where are they building it? So you'll get a franchise there. Yeah, yeah look, there's, there's a few conversations. I mean, this is this is sort of the the um, great luxury that, that the team have been able to drive collectively, that there's interest from pretty much every state um, for, for another team. Some it would be a second team in that same city others would be a, a new city but all these conversations are great we always say the same boring three things and uh, it comes down to the level of fan interest the corporate support and the government infrastructure uh, particularly around facilities um, and at the moment you know there's, there's a reason why we play the the pre-season on the gold coast um, there's a great venue there there council's doing a lot of work on building a, a new venue there there's lots of good conversations in sydney uh, down the track, I think we've been on record that, that Darwin's got um, some good interest. We know Canberra's got a great venue. Um, you know, there's talk about another team in Perth, given the, the great venue. So all of these conversations are underway. But until we can confidently say that we've got all those three pillars covered, we don't want to just expand for expansion's sake uh, because we want to make sure that we use the model of the Jack Jumpers, where you know, every single game they've played has been a sellout. Um, they've got a waiting list of people trying to get memberships um, they've really ingrained themselves in the local community and that's given us the standard that we want to make sure we achieve with any new team. Is the Gold Coast a unique case, David? There's been NBL teams on the Gold Coast before. There was well, the Bears, AFL-wise, up there. Yeah. Uh, the Suns haven't really had success. Well, haven't had final success. What's wrong with the Gold Coast? Is that a unique beast when it comes to having a sports franchise? Yeah, it is. I mean, we don't go in naive that, that those challenges have existed in our sport and in other sports as well, but there's some things that are really compelling. You know, when, when we had the um, uh, the blaze there, there was a thousand local participants playing basketball. Today, that number is ten thousand. So all of a sudden, you've got a bigger participation base to be able to leverage. You know, we've we've had the blitz there. We had over twenty thousand people go along to those games. Um, the population has grown significantly since then. And I also think what's unique a bit about our sport is. For six to seven weeks of our season, we play in school holidays, whether that be September or, or over the Christmas New Year period. So when you've got such a big influx of tourists coming in, then that just adds more interest in people going to a movie world or a dream world during the day. And then, hey, at night, wouldn't it be great to be able to go and see a great game of basketball? So I think we've got some, some compelling reasons why we can be successful, um, but we know it's not going to be easy. Have you spoken? Did you call Aaron Baines or did he call you? Has there been a conversation there? Uh, not, not in the last week. You know, I've been in touch with, uh, with Baines over the course of the year. Um, I can't speak highly enough about the impact he's had on our league and our sport. Um, he's someone that we've got such huge admiration for and, and, again, one of the best players that ever play in our league. So um, he, he knows we're very supportive of him. Um, there's always going to be times we're going to have different points of view on how things are handled. But again, I can't speak highly enough of, of Aaron Baines. How do you address it when the media kind of more jump on, I suppose, that light the fire, keep the fire burning, that the NBL and Aaron Baines aren't necessarily on the, on the same page? You might have something against him. 
Yeah, look, that, that's always speculation. I mean, frankly, it, it's a good part in, in, in some ways because it drives attention and narrative and, and we're not a sport yet that, you know, is like my old place, the AFL, where, you know, every day, regardless of what happens, you're getting seven or eight pages of, of coverage in, in the Herald Sun. Um, so we're growing and so sometimes that attention can be helpful. But I think what it's also important is there's a lot of behind uh, closed doors conversations as we work through these. Um, to make sure that the position of, of everyone involved is, is very clear. And the majority of those things don't become public. Um, but again, Aaron knows how appreciative we are of him. Um, there's certainly no vendetta absolutely whatsoever um, against him. We love what um, what he's already contributed to our league, and we hope there's uh, there's a few more years left too. Good. David Stevenson on the line, the NBL CEO. Hey, David, before I'll, I'll let you go, um, the, the next uh, program... There was a thought about a year ago that you might be in trouble because the NBA realised, well, we don't want all the young kids to go over and play in Australia in the NBL, and the NBL is getting better. But you've still been able to lure a couple of next stars that are being taken fairly early in the draft. So how did you keep that? How did you maintain that success with it? And what are you going to do to keep evolving to make sure it stays successful? Yeah, look, firstly, we have a lot of dialogue um, with, with the NBA. I was just in, in Hong Kong with them uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, they love the Next Star program. They've seen the benefits of ultimately developing the Next Stars for um, for the NBA. So, so they're supportive of it. Um, we know that every every player needs a different development pathway. For some of them, college is the right path. For some of them, it might be playing in Europe. And and obviously, for some of them, they've seen great success in in playing in Australia. And to see Alexander Saar out of Perth, you know, a, a French kid who decide the best best path for him is to come and play in the NBL in, in Perth. And, you know, his ESPN have him as, as the likely number one draft pick just it has a whole lot of confidence um, that this is the right pathway for some kids. And this year we've got eight. Um, it does look like we'll have maybe three or four that might go in the, the first round, potentially second round. Um, and so every year you kind of have to start from scratch again. You have lots of conversations um, with all of those agents and with the players and what's the right environment for them. And, and again, I think as every year we get more and more picks in, in that first round, um, just gives people confidence. That's a le- legitimate chance. And are you hoping to reconfigure John Kane Arena to be sort of almost the NBL's major venue? Yeah, look, we'd, we'd love to. I mean, John Kane Arena is fantastic. We love it. Um, you know, Melbourne United have sold out just about every game this year. South East Melbourne have sold out some. Um, it's a challenge for us um, not being able to play there over the Australian Open period, particularly during the school holidays. So we're working with MOPT and Tennis Australia and, and the Victorian government with that. Um, we would like to see a bigger capacity. Obviously, we've got Rod Laver um, next door, which is which is bigger. It helps us fit in more fans. But there's some downsides with that venue, with the way it's configured for people to be as close to the action. Um, so we, we certainly don't need another venue, but... We've got to find a way to help elevate and continue to elevate John Kane Arena. Does that mean changing the which way the court runs and putting in standing room? Um, no, I think I think at the moment the way it's configured um, currently with all the physical infrastructure, I think we're we're at, at the optimum. Um, obviously, it's a velodrome, so there's some parts that don't fit as easily. Um, but again, the great thing about our our game is that the best seats in in the house, your feet are actually on the court with the players. Uh, that's pretty powerful. And even you know, a general admission person can be really close. And 
again, compared to some of the other bigger stadiums in other sports, you're a long way back. So we want to keep that intimacy because that's a unique part of ours. But but we're also trying to manage how do you get as many people in. And, and given the way that the amount of sellouts we've got across the country, we're always looking for ways to get more of our fans in. And Horseshoe Booth, is that an option for you? I've heard a bit about the big Horseshoe Booths maybe coming in. Uh, not currently part of the plan, but uh, you know, we're always open to it. Um, you know, we're constantly looking at what's happening in the NBA, what's happening in other sports, what's happening in entertainment, um, and how do we make sure that we can have every single person who's in there have, have an incredible experience of the game, but also get as many people in as possible. David, great to have a chat to you. I'll see you at a game very soon. Just got my tickets for Melbourne United against... I think I've got the, the Breakers game coming up, so I'll see you in a week and a half. Thanks again for your time. I look forward to seeing you there, and thanks, as always, for your incredible support, Dwayne. We love spending time with you. I'm lucky to get in because every Melbourne United game's a sellout at the moment, so uh, I was <laughs> lucky to get in early. Great to have you, David. We'll talk soon. Thanks, Dwayne. Take care. NBL CEO David Stevenson. Nick in Burnda before we take a break. Or, Nick, we've got to get a breakaway quickly the news, and then I'll come back to you straight away. Great to have you call. You're with Dwayne's Well.